This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and with me this week is Auxiliary Bishop Peter Smith. And today we want to talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Bishop Smith, it's always great to have you here on the program. Blessings to you, Dina Marie, and all those who are on Monterey Radio listening to this program in whatever format that you're doing. It's good to be with you all. And uh, it's good to celebrate uh, all that God is doing for us. Absolutely. I thought today the, the thing that came to my mind was got Jesus. We see, I lived in Tillamook for so many years, got milk. But, you know, do you got Jesus? Do you have Jesus? And we hear so often, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's unpack that a little bit in this discussion of just how we approach a relationship with Jesus Christ who is he? How do we have this relationship? Um, and how do we build that relationship when, when that in our lives? It's a very good question. And we are going to be hearing more and more about that in the archdiocese, because one of the things that the, the archdiocese, archbishop and uh, many of the priests in the archdiocese are now starting to talk about, one of the things that we are called to do and to have is a life-giving ongoing transformative relationship with Jesus Christ and all that that entails. So what does that mean? This, this life-giving, and that tells you something about it, life-giving yeah. is ongoing. So it's not a, something that happens once and transforming. We're meant to be changed by it. And Jesus is the one who does it. Mm-hmm. And those, those of you who are, have seen the archbishop's videos that have been coming out, on a whole variety of subjects, the byline at the end is Jesus changes everything. And it's not just a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. It's real. Mm-hmm. And Jesus really does change everything if we let him into our lives and allow him to do that. So let's go back to the, the personal relationship with Jesus. Sometimes I hear people say, well, that's a Protestant thing. I know it's not. It's a Catholic thing. And it was that way from the beginning. Uh, it may be that the Protestants have, are reminding us today of the, of the, perhaps we need to go back to our roots a little more, mm-hmm. but it begins with the apostles and disciples. They had that personal relationship with Jesus. So Jesus is not just an idea to, to, uh, for them. Jesus is not just a concept. Jesus is someone. And Pope Benedict reminded us of this. That Christianity is not just simply uh, an ideal or a philosophy, but it's an encounter with someone, Jesus Christ. So the apostles and disciples have that encounter, and Christians down through the ages 
are meant to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus of Nazareth ascended to heaven. So how does the Trinity make Christ present to us now? Through the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. What does Jesus say? I will send you another advocate. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit makes God come alive within us to the degree that we open our lives to him. So let me just stop there and just switch to something else for a moment here. There is a huge difference in knowing about somebody mm -hmm. and knowing somebody. It's like you can be the world's foremost expert on whoever. How about you, Dina Marie? People can know all about you, Dina Marie Hale. When they meet you and they begin a personal relationship with you, that's very different. Mm -hmm. That head knowledge is there, and that's important. But now they're having experiential, real-life knowledge of you. And in the case of somebody with a head knowledge of someone, you can, you can bring every kind of resource to say, this person doesn't exist, this person isn't real. But when you know this person and have you know, broken bread with them, shared life with them in whatever way that's happened, you can say, no, this is real because I've experienced this person not only as an intellectual concept or someone I've known about, but that I know personally. And that's the relationship that, that God invites us to have with him. And it comes primarily through Jesus Christ. So if we would not be invited to something by God if it were not possible. And we know it's possible. Just go and read the lives of the saints all the way down through the centuries. Those men and women and at times children, they encountered God in a real and personal way. Now, one of the things that's challenging for us is we're used to encountering people tangibly mm -hmm. because we see people. We can see them. We can hear them. We can touch them and so on. But God is, with God, it's a spiritual presence. That, and even, if, even in an apparition, you know, it, it's still that spiritual presence. So we have to, it's a different way of relating in that sense, but we can still have that deep personal relationship with God. And as I said, you see this in the lives of the saints, mm -hmm. but that's the relationship we're invited into. Why? Because Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he said, if you're cut off from, the branches cut off from the vine, it will die. It will wither up and fade, uh, wither up and then uh, uh, get thrown on the fire. Now, it's a, it's, a, it's a concept that's a little weird for us, but let's put it, let's look at it in this term, these terms. A couple that is married. What happens when the relationship between them becomes purely functional and mechanistic? Does that give life? I mean, at that point, the only, the only question is, when is one of the two of them going to say, this isn't working, we're done? But you can also have a relationship where there is a very engaged and growing personal relationship between the husband and the wife over time. And what happens is, is they grow in love, friendship, and affection for each other. And that happens in friends as well. So the Lord invites us into that kind of relationship with himself. And it's not a one-size-fits-all thing because we're all different. 
God comes to us in ways that we can understand. And our faith is built on the foundation of that. So it's like getting married and getting all these skills in marriage is all based on the fact that you love and cherish each other and that that's going to be the foundation. Now, the problem is that many Catholics go through these other things and they don't have that uh, life-giving, ongoing, transformative relationship with God. And because of that, the faith can very quickly become something that's mechanistic, that's functional, um, that is moralistic, and it's sort of, you have to obey all these dictums. You know, where's the life in this? Well, and when you say life-giving, Bishop Smith, that just makes me think of abundant life. I mean, the joy that there's, my life should change if there's a life-giving relationship. Um, and so if I have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, there should be something that changes in my life and becomes uh, more evident. But maybe talk a little bit more about how we unpack that for the disciples who lived with Jesus, they physically saw him. But as you mentioned, when he ascended, he gave us the Holy Spirit so that no matter what time we lived in 2022, we still have access to Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Uh, but what do we mean when we see life-giving? What should that maybe look like in our lives? What it should look like is that as, as life goes on, we change. And we grow in how we live our lives, the strength of our faith, the strength of our service, the strength of everything in us. So it's like you see somebody uh, begin a relationship and then fall in love, and that love grows and develops over time. Or friends that sort of be, start off as casual acquaintances, and then that grows until they become very deep, close, personal friends. The relationship with Christ is meant to have that effect in our lives, and it's us and the Lord. And as that develops in our lives, we should be growing closer to the Lord and growing deeper in that relationship with him, because that's the, 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 the relationship, that's the foundation for what God invites us to do and wants to do in and through us and in our lives as we go forward. If that isn't there, you know, the, the, the difference is something like this. Jesus went out and did all these miracles. Plenty of people went to see him, but they weren't his followers. Mm -hmm. They were his fans. Mm -hmm. And fans go to games or concerts and so on to be entertained, to get something. And then they go home. But do their lives change? Mm -hmm. but there were some who were followers of Jesus who said, no, this, this, this really, I want to change my life according to as as jesus is inviting us to now along the way they don't all get to the end point because what we see in the scriptures is that jesus says some tough things unless you eat my body and drink my blood you cannot have life within you and a whole bunch of them say this is really weird we're out of here and jesus looks at the apostles and says are you going to leave me too Peter says, to whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of everlasting life. Quite sure he did not fully understand what was going on or perhaps understood almost nothing of what Jesus meant, but he knew Jesus personally. It's like, I don't know what's going on here, but we know you and we believe you even though we don't fully understand and we'll, we'll stick with you. 
You know, so you, you see those situations. Then in his passion and death, all of them, except John, uh, abandon him. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him three times. Yet he washes all their feet at the Last Supper knowing this. I mean, there, there, there is real friendship and love. You know these people are going to let you down, but you don't stop loving them. You don't stop serving. You don't stop doing these things. And then after Jesus rises, you have, have all these folks, that the, the, the apostles and disciples are ecstatic. Jesus is back. But they don't go out and proclaim the gospel. It's only after Jesus ascends and the Holy Spirit comes that they're empowered to go out and proclaim the gospel. And that's an interesting spectrum because I think we find ourselves as Catholics at different points along that spectrum. You know, we, we're some, they're, they're Catholics who are fans of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't want more than that. There are others that become followers, but the moment something becomes hard, ah, I don't like this. I'm done. There are others who say, well, I'm with you, Lord. And when crunch time comes, you know, and then there's other Catholics. And I think many of us who are, at least not many, let me correct that. Some of us who are church-going Catholics are in the position of those after the resurrection and before Pentecost. We know Jesus. We encounter Jesus. We see Jesus. But we are still in the upper room. We haven't gone out to uh, continue the mission of Jesus, which we're commanded to at the end of Mass. The dismissal of Mass, Misa, as mission, Mass, the sending forth. And it's very hard to do that unless you have a reason to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like married couples who, who are in love with one another. They make all kinds of sacrifices for each other. Why? Because of that love and that relationship and that commitment with one another. That's what changes things. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us willing not to just look out for ourselves. It makes us willing to, to make sacrifices for one another, to lay down our lives for one another, uh, to will the good of the other, even if at times that's not what we see as our own good. Right, right. This is a time of year, Bishop Smith. I know at our parish where we're coming together on a weekly basis for those people who are seeking a relationship with Jesus. They're seeking to know about the Catholic Church. I'm working with this group, some that have some Christian background, some with no Christian background, some with just a little Catholic background, but they're seeking. And I think Jesus is the key, obviously, as we we start to learn about our faith. But maybe give us a sense as we start the journey of getting to encounter Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, as our friend. How do we begin that process? Maybe for those who are either maybe helping people along the way in their own parish or maybe somebody listening who's just wanting to know a little bit more about who Jesus is and what what this is all about. To experience and begin that life-giving, ongoing, transformative relationship with him is it's very simple. We have to open our lives to Jesus and invite Jesus into our lives. And for those of us who are uh, practicing Catholics, we know in this archdiocese, we've been using the surrender novena, which is each day you have some things you reflect on, but the prayer at the end, there it is. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Please take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. 
So it's, it's like you make a decision. Ultimately, you make a decision because love ultimately is a decision. It has all these other things to it. But you make a decision to open your life and invite somebody into it. So it's a point of which we can talk about it in different ways. But we surrender our lives to Christ. We commit our lives to Christ. We give our lives to one another. As, as married couples do that to, for each other, religious do that. Uh, as as do priests as well. So a married couple, when they make those commitments, in effect, they surrender or give their lives to each other in the sacrament. And in beginning that relationship with the Lord, it's very simple. You just get yourself into some place where you can pray and just quietly pray and, and invite Jesus Christ more fully into your life. You, you can just say so, something like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I I repent. I ask forgiveness for all my sins and all the ways that I've offended you and why I want you to become part of my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. And I open my life to you. You know, come Lord Jesus. You pray a prayer like that, um, meaning it, and God will start to work in your life. So in one sense, it's, it's very simple. You know, if you want to start, you develop a relationship with somebody, what's the first thing you do? You have to go and meet and meet them, and then you start hanging out with them, and you have to start opening your life to them and they to you. So in a sense, we have to do that with the Lord, where we surrender our lives to the Lord. I'll just make a comment about the word surrender. In English, we think of surrender as beaten soldiers who have no other hope, and it's all over. This was my last resort. But that's not what it means here. Married couples surrender their lives to each other, which means they have, to the degree that they have, control or mastery over their own lives. They take that gift and give it to the other. And in this, this, this uh, context, surrender is actually an act of great strength because it means, because, because many people who are in this position are not at the end of their rope. They're not beaten to nothing and Many people in these positions have done quite well in life, but it's a re it's a re realization and understanding that no matter how good we are, no matter how smart we are, no matter how much we've accomplished, no matter how much we've accumulated, no matter what we've done, God is far greater. So as good as we are, God is far, far greater. And the act of self-surrender to God is an act of commitment of the little we have before the awesomeness of God. And we open our lives to him and invite him to be part of our lives and to change us. And, you know, you, you can say, you know, set me free from these things that are troubling me. Give me your peace. But it comes from that, goes down to there, there has to be at some point a commitment that begins that relationship. And it, it, it's not a one time and it's all done. It's these, this involves and grows like any human relationship does because God doesn't overwhelm us. God gave us freedom and he respects our freedom and he's not going to force himself into our lives. He goes as far as we let him. I'd love to know what St. Paul was thinking on the road to Damascus. Of course, he wasn't St. Paul then. He was Saul of Tarsus. 
but he somehow opened the door of his heart and his life to God. And God met him pretty dramatically and changed his life. Now, we think that happened just sort of near, near instantly. It was at least 13 years or longer before Paul was actually sent out on, uh, um, in ministry after that. But you see what happened. Nothing's impossible for God. Mm-hmm. And that's a wonderful thing for you and I and everyone. Right. And certainly St. Paul, in, just in his words, he's always drawing us to Jesus Christ and in fact, the cross, right? So we talk about surrender, the cross, Christ crucified. I mean, I don't know how many times, but <laughs> very often it's that reminder. And I think that's that you mentioned continual. So there's this constant relationship that needs to be renewed. Um, what do we learn from the lives of the saints from the apostles, but then men and women throughout the centuries who have had a relationship with Christ, what do they teach us in developing that personal relationship? Firstly, God moves in very different ways with, with all of us as different people. I mean, God tailors the way he works in our lives as to who we are with our strengths and weaknesses, the particular things we have in our lives. So you see this difference going on. And uh, in the Catholic context, we find people with these kinds of relationships and very different spiritualities. Now, spirituality is simply a way of living out the gospel. With, and they have different emphases, but they're all built around um, this relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then how this impacts our lives. You know, so for the Jesuits, they were the original Jesuits anyway, were their call was mission, action, go out into the world and change the world. The Benedictines were come apart from the world and this, form this life of prayer and work and study it, it separated from the world. And then you have people in between, like the uh, Franciscans and the Dominicans, who took very different approaches to the same thing, where you live in the, among the people in the world, but you're not of the world. So you have these, these uh, di- different ways, and you see this in the lives of the saints, and they encounter the Lord in many different ways and experience the Lord that way. But what you see with them is when that happens, they latch onto it and just keep going, and they're faithful. As Mother Teresa said, God does not call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And some people start, and you read these stories, this, this particular saint, she founded this community in such and such a time. 13 years later, when she died, there were 500 members. Uh, that's, that's a work of the Holy Spirit, if ever there was. I mean, just humanly speaking, to, to draw that many people in that period of time. You know, and then you have others like the recently canonized saint, Charles de Foucault, who uh, lived when he, after his conversion, went into the North African desert and lived a, a monastic life. They had this vision of, and he wrote a, a rule of life and had writings on spirituality. He died alone. Nobody came and joined him. Today, there's about half a dozen communities that use his rule of life and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who follow his spirituality. And so you see them taking this, and the Lord is working in them through this. And, and in the case of Charles de Foucault, thank God that he was faithful to the end. And a lot of other people would have said, 
I've been in this place for 20 years. I'm done with this. Lord, if you ain't doing anything now, I'm going home. You know, and, so, and then at that point, you lose the blessing that would have come from that. Right, right. We've just got a couple more minutes, Bishop Smith, and I'm just thinking about as we develop that personal relationship and getting to know Jesus better, maybe some things that you can reflect on about Scripture and how we can develop our relationship with Christ through sacred Scripture. Okay, I will say this just before we end. If you haven't seen the Surrender Novena, get hold of a copy. Yeah. It's available on the Archdiocesan website in English and Spanish. And they're, fly, they're little booklets of it that we, I think we've printed 25,000 of them. They're out there. Start praying there mm-hmm. and begin there. In regard to the scriptures, reflect on the scriptures and ask the Lord to reveal yourself, reveal himself to you through the scriptures or to the prayers that you pray. And ask the Lord to help you when you read them, see See what the Lord is doing. Here, a quick example. Take one of the Gospels. So, for example, read them from the perspective of not this is a historical record, not look at all the action going on, not these things, but read it from the perspective of what is Jesus telling me about himself in these scriptures? And when you find yourself moved with something, stop and pray and reflect. You, know, you could be saying, here's Jesus. He's exhausted after a long day. And here come all these people. And he just sort of, you get the impression from the text, he's going to drag himself up and go and take them, just like parents do with little kids Mm -hmm. and infant kids. You know, stop there. If that really moves you, just stop and pray. Just say, Lord, I I know I've experienced that. Thank you for what you've done. Mm -hmm. And let the scriptures inspire and inform your life in that way. Right. The scriptures, some people can look at scriptures as just a word on a page, but the scriptures are the inspired word of God. And if we are open to the moving of the Holy Spirit, scripture comes alive in our lives. Yeah. And let's have a personal relationship with Christ and build it every day. Thank you, Bishop Smith, so much. And I'd invite you to help us close with your blessing. Certainly. Let us pray. Lord God. We ask you to make yourselves real and personal in our lives in whatever way you choose to do so. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come into our lives. Become real to us. Live within us and let your light shine ever more brightly within us. And may we know you as friends and may we live our lives in such a way that we become your friends. We ask this in Jesus' name. Mary, untire of knots, pray for us. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie. And until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.